Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. If you don't know or you're visiting for the first time, my name is John. I am uh, the youth and young adult type pastor here uh, with Rooted and been serving here. My wife, of course, worship leader as well. Um, but today, uh, our pastor and a lot of our staff are on a cruise. They we're doing a couples cruise, and uh, they're all out on the boat having a great time as couples right here from RCC. So it is something that our church did, and everybody joined in to go on a cruise together. And I actually think it's really neat. I think it's neat that our couples are doing things together. I think community is something RCC is really doing well at. And um, it's encouraging to watch. So I'm not on the boat, so I'm here to babysit all of you. Um, but most of you will be babysitting me, uh, is usually how it works. But uh, just a couple of things, a little pre-warning. I'm, the, I'm kind of the, I don't know, the sharp around the edges kind of guy. So I will say some things, and you'll be like, what did he just say? So I'm a little unconventional. Um, and so I say that not to, like, freak you out, but I don't want you to take offense to my style. I talk to, to youth. I talk to a younger generation that when they're in school, they're interacting, and they're dealing with real-life stuff all the time. And I have to talk to them in the way in which they understand as well. They know when I say stuff, I'm for real. I tell them. And I shoot straight with them. And, and when we have visitors in our youth group, they're hysterically laughing. They're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's crazy. You know, I say words that most of you would never even hear in church. Um, they're not four-letter words, but they're definitely some, like, rough words. Like, whoa, you know, what did he just say? So I just want you to understand that today, as I'm speaking to you, know my heart. My heart is to see everybody here sparked and changed and awakened to something more. And for me, I believe, especially now in this church here at RCC, we are seeing something shifting and changing. We talked about the fivefold ministry for the past two weeks, and that, that became almost like a, a revelation for some. For some, they've heard it talked about for years, but we've never seen it happen. And for once, we're actually getting really close to seeing an expression of that take place right here, and that's what we desire. And what that means is we no longer go to a system where we have one man in charge of all things. And he's the one, and it's not like that, but PG oversees all things. But at the same time, he's raising up others and letting them. And we sit at the round table together, and we say, what is God saying? And it's a bigger picture. So I'm passionate about the church, and I'm just as passionate about disrupting the system that has taken over the American church. And if you don't know what that means, the system, a lot of you might call it a religious spirit. Um, a religious spirit can be charismatic, and it can be traditional. A religious spirit is in both sides of the spectrum and in between. The system of the church is the thing that has put the church to sleep and has stolen its very power. The church has been lulled to sleep by the system. We come in, we have a program, we sit down, we stand up, we sing, we do this, we do that. We make sure that everybody is giving only for the purpose of supporting the vision of one person. We, we say it has to be this, it has to be that. We, we kind of get into this twisted mindset where we take people in and we have hirelings instead of people who are called. It's become a business instead of what it's meant to be, which is a display of the kingdom. And so a lot of this in my heart, my passion is to disrupt the American church's system. Now that's really, that's kind of a person, you get in that place, you're that person that annoys people in every church you go into. Because what I do is I get in there and I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like, you know, and then they want to put you on staff to help them. And you're like, you don't want me on staff. I'm probably one of the biggest thorns in PG's sides that he's ever had in his life. 
And it's not because he does something wrong. It's because I will speak to him what I am believing is true, even when it's hard. So when I'm asked the question, so what do you love about RCC? And my wife is beautifully precious, and she's right. And she goes, community is great. That's what RCC's got. And he looks at me, and he asks me, and I sit there, and I go, and this was a few weeks back, and I said, I'm really bored. I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing. He's like, what? I said, there's good things. I said, but I know there's more. And I said, until I get further than this, I'm not happy. I want more. And he goes, well, what do you like? And I shared things I like about RCC because it is wonderful. But I said, I want more. And I believe the average person sitting in chairs just like you is the same way. You want more. You're bored. You're tired of people talking about a supposed power that you don't see demonstrated. You think that the power has only been reduced to someone falling down instead of someone getting up out of a wheelchair. You've been, you've been stuck into a mentality that church is a place you go rather than it's what's going on with you because you're the church, you're the temple, and the Spirit of God is dwelling on the inside of you when it's what's outside these walls that really count. But when we come into these walls, this is where we put on our best face. Everybody sees how holy we are. Our lingo is very good. We can talk the language of the church. We can act the part of the church. But you know what I can tell you? Is that there's no real demonstration of power happening, so therefore what you have in here is not really happening. What I have going on in here is not what it should be. It doesn't mean we don't have God. It just means we're not getting it right. And we just want to say, well, it's just a season. Seasons were never meant to be a negative time in your life. Seasons are a sharpening, powerful, empowering time of your life. And seasons should not have to be bad. Most of the church thinks a season is a negative thing. And I'm so over the season talk. I'm just going through a season for five years. You have a condition, not a season. Okay? Seasons change. You're not. You have a problem. Does that make sense? Like I told you, I say things. Don't be offended. I love you. Okay? So first things first. Recent question, what is wrong? Because they ask me this because they hear me preaching about the church all the time. What's wrong with the Church of America? So first of all, let's discuss some of the basics real quick um, about church. What is church? Church is, a again, biblical church involves at least two people gathering together in the name of Jesus. Two. So when we're discouraged because numbers are down, it's really not about the numbers. We're worried about money, but that's a whole other topic. So two people, because in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Have we forgotten this? Simple. That's part of what the church is, us. A biblical church is led by qualified elders. Um, in Titus 1, 5 through 9, Paul says to Titus, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. What if some of the issues of the world are really the fault of a lazy church. See, we saw elders come up here last week. I'm like, all right, I like order. That's cool. That's really good. And it's one of those things to where we're doing this to get things in order. See, that's biblical. It's not, look who's in charge. Make sure you bow to them and you wash their feet on Sunday morning because they make the decisions. So you got to put your best face on for all the people that were on the stage. I don't want your face. And if I see a mask, I'm going to tell you it's a mask. And I'm going to ask you to rip it off. I want you. 
I want the messy you with all of your problems. I want the you that doesn't have it all together. I want the you that's honest enough to say, I need some help and I want to get there. That's the you that we want. I want dysfunctional people. Give me the harlots. Give me the prostitutes. Give them to me. But my thing is, is if I pray that prayer, I believe it's going to happen and I'm concerned with what you would do with them. See, I need to be able to get the homeless in here, the drug addicts in here, all of these people in here. But what do we do when they come in these doors? That's terrifying for some of us. You're like, that person smells, they curse, and they're looking at my wife wrong. That's what we're talking about. I mean, I've seen, I saw somebody look at my wife one time, and I got so angry. Ooh. In church, I'm like, hmm. And I walked right up, and as I'm going up to this person, because I'm about to tell them, because they were making comments, I'm like, hmm. As I'm walking up, no joke, the Lord whispers into my mind, and he says, so this is what you're going to do when I send hurting people to you. See, this is us. We get offended by the world. We get offended by a red cup at Starbucks. Why? If they have a pentagram on a Starbucks cup and you get offended, you have a problem. That's the world. Why are we angry? See, we're the church. We need to get our identity back. So what's another example? What else is a church? A biblical church worships in song together. You're like, really? Yeah. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 says... And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Man, how simple, but we're missing it. How simple. I don't sing. I'm sorry, I didn't say if you sang good. Trust me, I'm like the worst critic on bad vocals. But in here, make a joyful noise. When I was in a church, I had a friend, a friend that I invited. And yes, a friend. They're homosexual, and I know the church, and we, we recognize that as sin and, and things like that. But they're a friend, and I invited them to church. And when they're in church, they're there singing, and people are like, mm. let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Because that person's sin is no different than your lying tongue during the week. See, we become so self-righteous and so holy that we think we understand what we're supposed to be as the church. Are we the church or are we not? See, what does the church look like? The church looks like an inviting place instead of a den of scary snakes. See, Jesus came and addressed a lot of things. Notice he didn't attack Caesar. Notice he didn't attack the government what did he do? He went after the system. He went after the religious, pharisaical thinking of the time. I see more of you addressing politics than I do God. You're so passionate about how much you hate or love Trump that you do not even talk about Christ. And if you can preach your agenda on social media because it's passive aggressive, you feel empowered and you come into church and you have no power. Why would I vote for your candidate when you can't even show me who God is? What has happened? See, this is what I'm saying. The church. I'm trying to provoke you to realize who you are. Not what you've been. A biblical church maintains corporate holiness through church discipline. What's church discipline? Matthew 18, 17 says... 
if this person refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church if there's an issue and there's sin. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. The church really is a place of spiritual protection. Jesus expects his followers to help one another pursue holiness. If a Christian begins to engage in serious sin, Jesus expects the members of his Christian community to lovingly rebuke him. Rebuke is not a bad word. It's correction. It's iron sharpening iron. It's accountability. If the person refuses to repent of his sin, the entire church is expected to get involved. You know what I see? Somebody doesn't show up for a few weeks. Mm, you backsliding. Where you been? And then when you do ask, hey, I haven't seen you. Why, why not? You don't really care. You just want to know what's going down so you can tell your friend. You know what I'm saying? It's real. It's real. See, when I don't see you at church, if I come up to you and say something, people think I'm so mean because I'm like always tunnel vision. My mind's going. I don't say stuff to people, and I'm like, I didn't mean to offend you by not saying hi. I'm just that person. So if I don't say hi to you, it's not because I'm trying to be rude. Forgive me in my brain. That's the way I am. I'm thinking constantly. I'm constantly doing it. But if I see you and I'm like, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Are you okay? How's things going? You're going to know it's genuine for me. I actually care. Because then what happens is like, oh, this is what's going on. And I'm like, whoa, how do we fix that? I want to see us be active in caring for people. But holiness is an issue. We don't want holiness. But you know what we want? We want God's promises, but we want no no change in our life to obtain those promises. We want everything he has for us, but we want to live without conviction. How? God, but your promises said, your prophetic word says. When did we get out of responsible living? When did we neglect holiness because we thought we became spiritual? I speak in tongues. That's good. You can't pay your bills. Get a job. I know that offends people. And there's circumstances. But let me tell you. I tell this to my kids all the time in the youth group. I say to them this. They're like, they'll say they'll speak in tongues privately. That's what God's doing. I'm like, good. Did you do your chores? How's your grades? Did you honor your parents? Because my opinion is shut your tongue up until you get some of that right. Because now you're making a mockery. Of what it's meant to be. We've forgotten the simple, simple basics of what character, integrity, and holiness is about. What has happened? Why? Why has this happened? So I am here to get us back to a reality. I want us to do something crazy. So when everybody comes back from that cruise, they see some crazy folks in here. They see some people living out there the way that they've been dreaming of seeing a congregation live. Do you know, you know how simple it is? Like numbers are never an issue for me. I, I can't, I don't ever worry about numbers. But you know, I'm, I'm also not stupid. You know how easy it would be to fill this church? One Sunday. If everybody here lived the life the way they pretend to live it on Sunday morning, we would have no room in the church the following week. I'm serious. I'm serious. You can triple the attendance in here in one week. It's not about that. A lot of you are actually too embarrassed to invite the people you know because they'll know you're a hypocrite at that point. Honestly, I would have invited this person from work, but then they're going to ask me why I do this, and that, oh, I don't want to hurt God's image, so let me go back to my private party at my church and leave everybody away. It's a real issue. 
It's a real issue. So there's all of these dynamics going on in the church. This is something that we call the system. I want to obliterate that. I want to get back to the reality, the truth of who God is. I desire this. So I look, go back to this whole let's get mad about the world issue. So I'm looking at the world and Harvest and even uh, Lewis, they touched on stuff. And I'm like, man, you, you, you're in my message notes. That's crazy. And they started talking and saying some things. And I remember when Lewis was saying something about the men's group and calling the men to be men. I was like, yeah. And I was really excited because that's one of my, my bones that I have to pick within the church. And I started looking. They said, if you look, he said, if you look at the world and you look what's going on out there, a lot of times you can see a direct reflection in the church of the same problem. And I'm like, you know, you're right. So I started on this rabbit trail and I didn't stop. And so I'm going to bring some things to mind. So here we go. We started off when Lewis said that you can look in the world and there's failing fathers, correct? I mean, we have kids without dads, failing fathers. We have failing moms too, but failing fathers. You come in the church, there's a failure of fathers. Why? We're supposed to be the greatest example. And I'm not just talking about fathers raising your children, your natural children. I'm talking about spiritual fathers over kids. I'm talking about fathers that help the, the moms that have single daughters, you know, daughters that are single moms with daughters and, and boys. How do they raise them up? How do they have men in their lives? Where are the spiritual fathers? So we have an epidemic of failing fathers in the world, but we have it in the church. So is it the world that's causing it to the church, or is the church really what's caused the world? See, I think the church is the problem. The world is looking for something real. The world is not going to go running to something that looks like them. That's not an answer. That's why we have these problems. So then when we look at other things, so I was like, what are hot topics of the day? I want to poke buttons and really make people mad. That's how I think. And so I looked, and I'm like, what are some hot topics? You know what? Okay, so here's one. Gender identity issues. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor. What are you talking about? You know? no, okay, so out there, we have gender identity issues. So it's, let's just go into one area. We're not talking about like a boy thinking he's a girl. Let's talk about, oh, chivalry and women not wanting guys to hold doors for them. I heard a report that this girl, this lady, this woman, she says, when a man holds a door for me, you know what that means? It means that he thinks that I'm not capable of doing it myself. Devil's a liar, right? Yeah. So, so I'm thinking, like, that is kind of crazy. But you know what? I'm okay. We hold the door for a woman. But you know what? It's at the same time where the church has done some weird things. Like, the church beat up women if they worked. I don't think that's fair. I think it's wrong. We have to understand that balance. So in the church, we have a big issue. We talk about fathers. We talk about gender roles. We talk about this. So in the church, let's, let's expose some things, okay? In the church, we have intercessors. When I called, and I call for intercessors to come forward, or PG does, the first time they, he called forward for all the intercessors to come forward, not one man came forward. We have a gender identity issue here. When we say, I want the worshipers to come up here and dance, not one man came forward. What happened to the undignified Davids in the church? And you know what women are waiting for? Women are waiting for men. Yeah. And some of you men are like, come on, bro. Come on, bro. No. Here's the problem. Cool story. So in, at Disney's Animal Kingdom... If you've ever been through the safari ride, 
they have this area where the, the Jeep pulls around, and there's these, like, ostrich eggs on the ground. I mean, I hate to break it to you. They're fake. But still, there's ostrich eggs. And they're always in the same spot. And it's actually what, are they, what they're doing is tricking the ostriches because they don't want them to nest, and they know that they won't. And it's funny. But anyway, so there were all these ostriches that they had. And I was talking to one of the, the animal people there. And we were chatting. And they said there was a bunch of these ostriches in one area as a group. And there was one male in the group, and all the rest were female. The male they took away from the group of females. When they removed the male ostrich from the females, something happened. Now, just like in most, with most birds, the male looks different than the female according to the feathers. Do You guys know that, right? And unfortunately, I don't know why in like, the animal kingdom, the male is usually the pretty bird. I think God's like, I got you all, Adam. Adam, I got you. So... Here's the issue. So we got the pretty, the pretty bird is now removed, and you got these female birds there. Now, what's really interesting is as the female birds now are existing together without a male among them, do you know what happened? One of the ostriches decided to step up into the lead role because there was no one there to lead now. When this ostrich stepped up to lead, it began to act different. Not only did it act different, but its feathers began to change. Its very feathers started to look like the feathers of the male. See, this is what's going on in the church. This is why Jezebel reigns in the church is because Ahab is also there. When you have an issue in your church, men are not stepping into the right place, and women are having to do all these jobs, and therefore things get out of whack. There should be a balance. There should be an order. And there's not. Okay? There needs to be something fixed when it comes to men in the church. I have no problem with a woman getting up and speaking and preaching. Rock on. But we're, all, we're okay with men preaching. But we're not okay with them dancing. We're not okay with them interceding. We're not okay with them making the meal or doing acts of service. We're not okay with them working in the nursery. That's woman's job. I'm just saying. You know, when, uh, when I had my first son, this is in 2001, we had our first son, the majority of the public bathrooms I went into did not have a changing station. I had to constantly hand him over to Christina and say, can you go change him? I can't. There's nowhere for me to change him. Things have changed. That's good. But we need to see a shift here. There's some gaps. Do you know what women think is the most powerful, attractive thing in the church is a man that knows his place and identity in the church? I'm not sexy. My wife thinks I'm sexy if I preach and there's anointing. She's like, oh. I learned that a long time ago. I'm like, yeah, all right. Got a double portion on this one, guys. This is good. So you got to learn, men, take your place. Take your place, men. And women, don't be scared when they do. They're going to make mistakes. They'll get there. We're going to get there. It's a big deal. You all laughing at me down there. You know what else is an issue in the, in the world? The topic of, let's say, prostitution, abuse. You're like, John, what? See, it's, all, it's not always exact. See, prostitution, you have somebody who's pimping out a woman for perfect, like, per personal gain, for money, um, for whatever. In the church, we do the same thing. We get somebody in here that has a talent, a gift. We prostitute them out so we have personal gain. Now our platform looks good. Now we have everything we need because now it looks good and I'm benefiting from it. So the question is, is who's the real John in the church? See, if we have people 
who are leading in a church, and when they see somebody come to the altar, all they see is how they can whore out a gift, then we've missed the person. I'm tired of churches getting somebody saved. They're getting baptized, and within two weeks, two weeks, they got them serving in ministry. Settle down. Whatever happened to discipleship? Whatever happened to raising someone up and teaching and helping, serving and loving? All we know how to do is either plug them in and work them like prostitutes or abort them at the altar and never talk to them again. We have two choices. I want to fix that. That's the system. Does that make sense? People will come up. I'll get in a meeting with a bunch of pastors at a breakfast, at a lunch. How many are you running in your church, sir? You know, what do you got? What do you have? How many do you have Sunday morning? Why is that the questions? How many did you have baptized last year? How many salvations? What? What is this? And I'm sitting in there by myself thinking I'm like the, the only person there. And there's like 10, 12 pastors. And I'm like, and they're going back and forth. Oh, we got this. We got, and I'm like sitting there. I feel so lost. And I think that's how most people feel when they come to church. Let's be honest. I think that's how most of us feel. And we are the church. We feel lost. What has happened to us? We're waiting. The Lord is ready. I just want to encourage you with that. So why am I saying all of this? I'm saying all of this because I believe there's a way to bring us to a place of righteousness, of return to holiness. I believe that RCC has one option and one option alone. We either become what the church should be or we'll be another statistic among many. And I don't want to be a statistic. Um, I don't want to be a part of something that's not real, where people aren't being changed, where you're not welcomed. I don't. You know, in my youth ministry, the first one I, I ever had, we used to do this thing where um, once I was there for a while, I got to know my students we said, all right, we got to have a dress, dress code because some people dress a little bit not good. And I said, we need to uh, get a dress code in here. And so I told all of my regulars, this is going to be the dress code. Make sure you, you know, whatever. For my regulars, if they came in breaking the dress code, I had these really big, ugly shirts and things that they would have to put on. Um, and I was like, I'm sorry, I love you, but you got to put this on. They're like, what? I'm like, eh, you can't. You're showing too much crack. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, in the front. I'm like, you got to fix it. They're like, oh. So they get a shirt on. They'd fix it, and then all of a sudden, somebody new would come into the youth group, and they come in dressing like they straight off the streets. And the youth would look, and at first they look at me, go, and then I went, I said, "What do you expect? There's different rules for you. That's not fair." I'm like, "It actually is. See, there's different rules for us, and I know you don't like that. I know that's hard for us." But there's different expectations put on us. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. But it does mean you're going to strive to be perfect every day you can. See, God clearly tells us in the word, be holy for I am holy. The word holy there is actually the word complete. Be complete because I'm complete. See, it's coming to a place of understanding what holiness is. The church has done a really good job at addressing perversion in the church. And perversion and what's going on. And I was... Talking to our youth the other night, see, perversion, let's say in pornography or whatever it might be, perversion, a lot of us think the way that we get away from perversion and sin like that 
is to constantly try to just run away from perversion. See, it's never about, purity has never been about running away from perversion. Purity has always been about what you're running to. See, it's a slight change, but we're constantly focused on the thing we're running away from. That we still aren't looking at where we're running, so we're still running like this. And we're making a mess of ourselves. What are we running towards? Where's purity? He has a name, and his name is Jesus. This morning when we were engaging, you felt the spirit of the Lord moving in here. Many of us did. I mean, anybody else feel upset? I was getting charged. Anybody else? I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I started feeling, I'm like, yeah. And I just want to be obedient in those moments. And some of us, we were sitting here going, I used to feel this way, but I've been around the block a few times now. You've gotten hardened. I understand. I've been there. Don't think the absence of your emotions should dictate the response of your actions. Just because you don't feel something, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to still do something. It's a sacrifice of praise for a reason. You know, I believe David did not feel like dancing. Because think about it, his wife gave him the hardest time you can imagine, saying he was such a, an embarrassment. How dare you? Look how stupid you look. You don't think he already knew what his wife was going to say when he did what he did? You don't think it was a sacrifice for him to do what he did? Here he is, a king in front of all these people, acting a fool. So they thought. And now we reference that to one of the most dynamic dance worship outbreaks in the history of the world. See, where is the undignified ones again? Not rebellious and crazy. I'm talking undignified. Where are the ones who don't care if they're weeping or shouting? You know, I always have fun when I go to conferences. You know, people get really excited, hyped up at charismatic conferences, and they start running. And I always look at my youth, I'm like, oh, we got a runner. I'm like, yeah. I love seeing people have fun and get excited. And doing things in a decent and orderly way is fine. You can do it. But I'm going to challenge you with this this morning. The church is missing. I want you to find them. you got to find yourself. We are not going to make an impact in this world, in this community, or even in our homes if we don't get it right. So whatever it is that's made you the hypocrite that can't make you live the way you should live all the time, the way you pretend to live here, change it. Do something right away. What does your tomorrow look like? What does your home look like this evening? How are your plans going to be a little bit adjusted or changed? You guys, I'm excited about what's possible. I live with this constant move of hope. I'm the guy that wants, I like change. I want change all the time. I'm the guy that's like, something new, come on. And then I get it going, I'm like, okay, something else. You know, you're like, oh my gosh. I love change. And I love the fact that I know this church is changing. You are changing. So when I ask a question this morning, my question is this. Who is actually taking to heart some of the words that I'm speaking and are really going to do something about it? You're going to actually look different. You're like, I don't, I don't have an example of this. You do. It's the word of God. It's real. You have Jesus. Look at Paul. Look at these great people in the word. 
You can do this. You're like, what does it look like? How do we do it? Man, start dreaming again. Do something. But if you're willing and you're actually saying you're going to do this, that means it's going to be a little weird at first. You know what's really strange? Is when you call out gossip. So when all of a sudden somebody comes out to you and say, did you hear? And they start talking about somebody. And you say, whoa, 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 stop. Don't do that. That does not make you popular. They don't like you. I know. They've done it. They came up to me and said, now, did you hear about what so-and-so said? And I'm like, no, and I don't want to. Thank you. They're like, no, no, it's not gossip. It's true. I'm like, whether it's true or false, it's still gossip. (laughs) It's the same. I could tell you about somebody's business. Even if it's true, it's still gossip. Why are you saying it? What benefit does it have? People tell me things in confidence all the time. All the time. I have people, leaders, spiritual leaders, they want to know what's going on. I said, I'm sorry, I don't need to tell you. And they go, why? I'm like, because they said that in confidence to me because they're actually needing help. They weren't gossiping about someone else. But some of us don't think we gossip. Some of us think that we're really nice and we never say anything negative or bad. I don't think you realize it. Do you know gossip is not just what comes out your mouth, it's your looks. It's your attitude. It's the way you make people feel at times. I mean, there's, there's all forms of backbiting, slander, and all that stuff. It's all there. When somebody walks into the church, if you feel like you have to turn around and go the other way because you feel weird around them, you have a problem. Will you address the elephant in the room? I do. It makes you very unpopular. Some of you, it might happen with you. I love you. But if I ever say something to you, it's because... That's just kind of how I am. I'm trying to do this right. I'm practicing, (laughs) okay, until I get it right. So there should be no more slander, backbiting, gossip coming from anyone. Especially here, this has to be a safe place. We must have a safe place. You know what I believe is going to happen in the future? If you do what I'm asking today, and you join in this kind of a revolution, this kind of a shift and a change, I actually believe we're going to have a hard time keeping people from coming into this building and just bombarding us. Because this is what they're looking for. All the people that I talk to in the world, this is what they want. They want something real. They don't want our impressive karaoke's. Okay? Stop singing somebody else's song. Stop preaching someone else's message. Stop copying somebody else's language. Come up with your own. Okay? So here's, here's my call to you this morning, real simple. I'm going to have you guys stand up. Yeah. So you don't have to come up, Christine. You're good. So here's what I want to do. This is what I call a reverse altar call. Most of you are used to coming up when they play the, the music, and most of the emotions are being softened, and we're being prodded, and, you know, that's fine. That's good. I'm good with all that because God uses all that. But I'm a little different. So this morning, here's what we're going to do, this reverse altar call. We're going to know if anything I said sunk in. And I'm hoping it wasn't me. I'm hoping the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. And if there's anything that I spoke that was not the Lord, I ask that you forget all of it. And Jesus, take all of that away. But when you walk out of here, go out of here different with a plan. What are you doing next? What's going to change? The reverse altar call looks like this. We'll never see the fruit from the altar call until the following week. So we'll see if there's fruit. And if not, I spoke in vain because you listened to nothing. 
So I'm going to do this. I'm sending you out. And I'm sending you out to be the church. The church that God called us to be in his word. The church that pursues holiness, that does not live in hypocrisy. The church that will love people that are really hard to love. You're going to be the church that is not embarrassed to bring someone here because the expression here is genuine and true, even though it might be a little bit intense for some. You'll bring them because you're not ashamed. You're going to be who you are here and out there at the same time. I want you to bring people here not because you're hoping they get saved. I'm wanting you to lead them into salvation and bring them here to celebrate. So many times you've used these walls to be the place to entrap someone that maybe they'll get saved. When it was really the relationship and the kindness you had with them the whole time that led them there. If you don't know how to lead someone in salvation, that's Christianity 101. Come talk to me. I'll teach you. It's very easy. No pressure. We should be seeing people getting saved out there and then coming in here. Evangelism's out there. It's here too, but it's out there too. So what I'm saying is this, the reverse altar call, as I dismiss you, not only do I bless you as the church, I commission you to be everything God has called you to be. I speak that if you choose to take up this cross and follow him, that you're going to see things change not only in your life, but in others. You're going to have difficult times. It will not be easy. But lives will be changed because of it. When you get to heaven, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not what did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you. You will lead one, and that one will lead another, and so on and so forth. But this is the reverse. You're going to go, and you're going to come back. And you won't come back alone. Come back with someone else. Someone that just needs to be loved on. Make a change. So, Father, I just speak blessings over this entire room. I ask God that as we just send out each one of these believers, that they will make a shift and a change. And if this morning, Father, there is not, maybe there's somebody here that doesn't even know if they're a believer. They haven't given their life to you. Father, I'm going to ask that you would help them at the end just to even come up here and talk to me. I'm going to stand up here and wait for them. God, we want you to be glorified on the earth. And I'm asking that this church would take up their cross and they would do what they're called to do and be what they're called to be. I ask, God, that you would forgive us where we have just been a mess, a poor example. And I ask, God, that you would change things. We ask for the revival to begin because souls are being won. Without souls, there's really no revival. Father, I ask for people who have been awakened that fell back asleep to wake up again. Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus, I ask that as they leave, we see a surge when they return. And that you would show us great fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful day, and God bless you. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.